Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. I'm catching on the hosel, right? Yeah, right, right. Moving my head. Yeah. Clearing too early. I'm clearing too late. My swing feels like an unfolding lawn chair. The crowd is just on its feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess. Four, please. Darren Pritchett is now broadcasting. Oh, wow! In your life have you seen anything like that? On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And here we go again, Budweiser's weekday sports feed on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. It is eight minutes after five o'clock on this Thursday, July the 14th of 2022. It is 82 degrees currently in downtown South Bend. Tonight, mostly clear, described as a refreshing summer night by our friends over at WSBT News 22, a low of 58 tomorrow. Partly to mostly cloudy, a chance of rain. Mainly in the afternoon, evening, a high of 82 degrees. Budweiser's weekday sports be brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser. The king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Baseball fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. By Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop, where new beginnings have happy endings. And by the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. My name is Darren Pritchett. Hope you're having a terrific Thursday. Thanks for stopping by as we broadcast in several locations on 960 AM WSBT, a live stream available at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. It's free download at the iTunes or Google Play Store. Just search WSBT radio. And the newest way to check out Budweiser's weekday sports beat is on the free Twitch app. It is a video-based app, so we've got a little camera in our studio you have a chance to see what our studio looks like, and you can just go to your Twitch app and search Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We're on the air for two hours tonight. The South Bend Cubs continue their series in the land of Lincoln against the Peoria Chiefs tonight. 720 pregame, 735 first pitch. The Cubs have won the first two games of the set with Peoria. So coming up on the program tonight, our Twitter question of the day. If you're a golfer, I think you'll like today's Twitter question of the day. Plus, we'll bring you the results of a very interesting question from yesterday. Good response from all the people that follow me on Twitter at 960 Sportsbeat. We asked a question, which Notre Dame football assistant coach has the biggest challenge in fall camp with his position group? And it came down to really two choices that were way ahead of the other two. We'll give you the recap of the voting and who allegedly has the biggest challenge in your eyes coming up in just a few moments 
here on WSBT Radio. We've got the My 5 question of the day later on in this hour. It centers around the tight end position and the best to ever do it in the National Football League. We'll recap the Open Championship in the 6 o'clock hour. We'll set the stage for the White Sox Twin Series, which gets underway tonight up in Minneapolis. We also will have our sports wagering segment coming up later on in the 6 o'clock hour here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. So let's get started. We've got our first pitch ready to roll here on 960 AM WSBT. The first pitch and the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. And here we go with our first pitch tonight. And what I'm going to try to pitch to you is some thoughts on the Notre Dame wide receiver position as we sit just a couple of weeks away from the start of fall camp. Now, you have to tie in the wide receivers to the rest of the passing game. Other parts of the passing game have to be effective to give the wide receivers a chance to get their job done. But also the wide receivers that are currently on the roster, in particular the veterans, need to be more consistent and more dominant for the Irish to have a chance to get to where they want to go later on this year. Now, we're assuming Tyler Buckner is the starting quarterback for the Fighting Irish when they come out of the tunnel at the horseshoe against the Ohio State Buckeyes on September the 3rd, right here on WSBT Radio at 8 o'clock. So let's just assume for our exercise it will be Tyler Buckner at quarterback. The Irish have put together what appears to be a very solid offensive line. We know they're going to be taught the right way this time around with Harry Heastan back as the offensive line coach. They will be put in the best position to succeed with the way he hammers home fundamentals each and every day. These young men have a chance to be as good as they want to be with Harry Heastan back at Notre Dame. So the offensive line should give Tyler Buckner adequate time to throw the football. We know Tyler can run it. We know he can be very dynamic running the football. But if the Irish want to be a playoff contender, Tyler Buckner is going to have to show that he can throw the football. Very limited opportunities last year. Had a chance to shine against Virginia Tech and was picked off three times in that game. So what can Tyler Buckner do? If he is, in fact, the starter for the Fighting Irish, can he throw the football consistent enough to take pressure off the running game and provide two parts of the offense that the defense has to worry about, running the football and throwing the football? And if Tyler has time to throw it, what about the route running of the wide receivers, their ability to make those 50-50 catches? In a couple of moments, we'll go back through our Twitter question of the day, and Chancey Stuckey was one of the choices when it comes to the four Notre Dame position coaches that have the quote-unquote biggest challenge in fall camp. Stuckey was one of the four, and he was in contention to win the vote. We'll tell you if he did coming up in a little bit. But Stuckey is on the list because there's just a group of players right now that he's going to be working with. that have something to prove. 
and I mean that from the standpoint whether you're a veteran player or a young player. There's nobody that has a job locked down right now. I think there's one guy that does, but let's just say for the sake of this argument, everybody's got to prove themselves at the wide receiver position. You've got some older guys. Avery Davis coming back from the ACL injury. Graduate student. Might be a player coming off the Irish bench this year. You would expect him to be possibly the backup slot man to sophomore Lorenzo Stiles Jr., who is my candidate to be the leading receiver among wide receivers on this Fighting Irish football team. Stiles came on strong last year as a freshman. 24 catches, 344 yards, and a touchdown, including the eight-reception performance in the Fiesta Bowl against Oklahoma State. That kind of showed he's arrived. You look at some of the other older players battling for playing time. Braden Lindsay is back for one more go-around. One thing he doesn't like to hear, he's a track guy playing football. He wants to be known just as a football player. He has track speed. He would be a track star if that's his main opportunity. But he is a football player at Notre Dame with electrifying speed. We have seen him run away from the USC defense in the past on an end around. He's got the breakaway speed, but how can he become more effective in this offense? Lindsey's going to have to battle for playing time against some of these young guys on the Notre Dame football roster. Matt Salerno, handy guy to have around. He's going to be in the mix. But then you get to some of the young guys. This is a part of the wide receiver, wide, wide receiving core room that has me excited because I think Styles can be a star on this football team. You got Michael Mayer at tight end, who should be a first-team All-American at that spot. He's going to get a lot of attention. And you know what? Styles one-on-one against the opposition, I'm going to take my chances. I have confidence he can be a guy that can win a lot of those one-on-one matchups. So Styles to me, has the best chance to be the leading receiver among the receivers. You would expect Michael Mayer to lead the team in receptions overall. You got Chris Tyree coming out of the backfield, his ability to catch the football. He might be lined up in the slot from time to time. Who knows? Styles can play anywhere. That's what I like about him. Plus, he makes plays. He catches the football and does something with it. Deion Colsey fighting to be a starter this year for this Fighting Irish football team. Also a freshman last year. Did not get as many opportunities as Styles. But as the season went on, we saw a little bit more of Colsey. Four catches, 467 yards. Jaden Thomas, the third member of that sophomore class of 2021 group. Colsey, Styles, Thomas. Jaden is more of a reserve right now on this football team. I think his consistency catching the football might be holding him back a little bit he seems to be a really good backup wide receiver at this particular time showed up well in the blue goal game back in april but colsey and styles have the chance to be the stars from that 21 class in the 22 class just one wide receiver tobias merriweather you might recall right around signing day in december a couple of guys that looked like they were coming to Notre Dame. 
did not come to Notre Dame, making it just a one wide receiver class, not what you were looking for. But Merriweather comes from the Northwest. I like what Tyler Horka had to say yesterday on the program. Tyler, the Notre Dame football beat reporter for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. I asked Tyler, out of all the offensive players, who are you most interested in seeing in fall camp? You could say Buckner very easily. It's hard to win if you don't have a quarterback playing at a high level. So Buckner's a really good choice. How much better is he throwing the football? Audric Estime could be a choice. He might be the number two running back against Ohio State. With all the injuries, Estime is moving up the charts. We just had a conversation about the wide receiver position. Any of those guys could be thrown into the mix. Maybe Zeke Carell, who might be the starting center, or Jared Patterson moving to guard. There's a lot of good choices. But Tyler picked Tobias Merriweather. And after he explained his reasoning, I thought it made total sense. Merriweather would not have been on my radar. But now I get why he picked him. Because of the opportunities at the wide receiver position. Again, no one has locked down a spot. It's time to earn a job in fall camp. Now, Merriweather's a freshman. He'll have to make the transition. Not saying he's going to play right away, but down the line, maybe he's like Colsey and Styles last year. He gets more opportunities as the season unfolds. I would have to think there's some veteran-wide receivers that are going to have every opportunity to show the coaching staff what they can do. Braden Lindsey, Avery Davis, Matt Salerno. Deeper down the wide receiver depth chart, Connor Radigan, who had a great blue goal game. Coaches want to see these guys make plays, but if the season starts to unfold and we see inconsistencies, if Merriweather's coming on strong, if the coaching staff feel he's ready to go, he's the guy that could play a small role on this team at wide receiver, maybe greater as the season goes on. But I think Merriweather's a good choice of someone to watch because we have not seen him. Yet he was not involved in spring practice. He's in town now getting ready for fall camp. So Merriweather, since we haven't seen him in person, only on video, I think that's a great choice to focus in on in fall camp. What can he do for this football team? How far along are his wide receiver skills? Can he help an elite Division I football team as the season goes on? As we start to look ahead to the future of Notre Dame football, Chancey Stuckey has done a great job of bringing a heartbeat back to Notre Dame recruiting at wide receiver. Merriweather only was not good enough last year. Chancey Stuckey took over, hit the ground running. He reeled in Cam Williams in the class of 2024. The 23 class, he's got Braylon James and Rico Flores. All three of those guys are four-star wide receivers, according to On3 Consensus. Flores picked the Irish over Georgia and Ohio State. Jaden Greathouse from the state of Texas, another four-star receiver. He's going to be making his college choice tomorrow, and it looks like it's coming down to two schools. His home state school, the Texas Longhorns, and the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. So there's a very good chance Stuckey will have a James Flores Great House class in 2023 with Cam Williams waiting in the wings 
in 2024. That is a big-time improvement, quality and quantity. And Stuckey is just getting started recruiting here at Notre Dame. He got involved in the process, had unfolded already, built relationships, and now the Irish are hitting some home runs in recruiting at wide receiver. So that's the future of Notre Dame football at wide receiver. Colsey, Styles, Merriweather, James, Flores, Williams. You just don't want to be in the spot you're in right now with the way this wide receiving core has been put together. The Irish are trying to make the best of it right now. But again, they need veteran players to raise their level of play. The young guys find consistency and playmaking ability quickly. They got to help out Michael Mayer because Michael Mayer is going to get a lot of attention and somebody's got to win some one-on-one battles in order to take advantage of the opposition trying to take away Michael Mayer. Some interesting names again. I think Styles is going to be the go-to wide receiver. Michael Mayer is still the guy at tight end. But Styles is ready to erupt, in my opinion. He is ready to be a difference maker on this football team. I'm excited about Colsey, and I'm curious to see Merriweather when he takes the field here in South Bend. Since we're talking about wide receivers, do you remember Jordan Addison? Pittsburgh Panther wide receiver last year. Had a massive season with Pitt, 100 catches, 1,593 yards, and 17 touchdowns. All of a sudden, he jumped into the transfer portal, said, I'm out of here. And he lands at USC. Now, you got the feeling, reading some stories, that Pitt felt like there was something fishy going on with the way things transpired, but Addison ended up at the University of Southern California. Then a story recently was posted that Addison has reportedly been ticked off in recent weeks because of unspecified broken promises not yet being followed through with. This was being reported by On3 National Recruiting Analyst Jerry Hamilton. Two great years for Addison at Pittsburgh, won the Bolitnikoff Award for the nation's top wide receiver. Probably he'll be a first-round pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. But things, at least according to this report, aren't necessarily going perfectly out there in Southern California. Addison said that USC showed how he'd be able to capitalize in USC's offense with quarterback Caleb Williams, a fellow transfer from Oklahoma. Now, no one's quite sure what he's upset about. Maybe some of the NIL promises have been broken. Whatever the case may be, these reports are he's not very happy right now, which means that old saying comes true right now that the grass isn't always greener on the other side. But Addison is a Trojan for this season, then off to the NFL draft. And you take a look at Pro Football Focus, who does a really good job of analyzing not only the pro game, but the college game. They have come out with their college football wide receiver rankings. And Pro Football Focus believes Notre Dame is going to be facing the best of the best 
at the wide receiver position this season. Their, their rankings show the Irish will play four of the top six wide receivers in college football. Jackson Smith, Nigba, Jigba, I can never say it. I'll have to get it down here in the next two months. From Ohio State, 95 catches, 1,600 yards, nine touchdowns, big Rose Bowl. As the Buckeyes rally to beat Utah, he's number one. Just talked about Addison. He's number two. Now at USC, 100 catches for nearly 1,600 yards and 17 touchdowns. The fifth best wide receiver in the country, according to Pro Football Focus, Josh Downs of North Carolina. The Irish have done a good job quieting him. Downs, 101 catches, 1,335 yards at eight touchdowns. And Mario Williams is number six on the list. Was at Oklahoma, transferred to USC. Williams, 35 catches for Oklahoma last year, 380 yards and four touchdowns. So the Irish secondary will face four of the top six wide receivers in college football. They're going to have to be ready to roll. A lot of good talent. Good quarterbacks at Ohio State and USC. We'll see about North Carolina. Of course, they lost their starting quarterback to the National Football League. But very interesting to see the best of the best at wide receiver facing the Fighting Irish this year. So that's some wide receiver talk, Notre Dame and beyond. It is 528 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. So who has the biggest challenge among the Notre Dame assistant coaches when fall camp gets underway? We asked you that question on Twitter yesterday. Results coming up in a couple of moments. This is Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Five thirty-three at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. My name is Darren Pritchett, and this is our Twitter question of the day. Yesterday's question was posted. On my Twitter account, at 960 Sportsbeat. And the question was, which Notre Dame football assistant coach has the biggest challenge in fall camp working with their position group? We offered you four choices. Quarterback coach, Tommy Reese. Running back coach, Dylan McCullough. Wide receiver coach, Chancey Stuckey. And cornerback, Coach Mike Mickens. Let's recap the voting. Coming in fourth place, just 7.4% of the vote, Irish running back coach, Dylan McCullough. First, let me say this. I think all four choices, there is an argument that it is the definitive answer. McCullough could be the definitive answer because he is dealing with injuries right now in the running back room, which really changes the way the Irish could look against Ohio State, and I shouldn't say should, will look against Ohio State. Now you got a veteran player in Chris Tyree, looks like in the driver's seat to be the top back for this football team, but he dealt with injuries last year and had an ankle this spring. 
Logan Diggs, you could argue, would have been the number two running back. But he is out for at least the start of the season. Sounds like maybe he comes back in September. If not, worst case, early October. You got Audric Estime, who might be number three on the depth chart this year. He moves up to number two at the Diggs injury. Estime, with only seven carries last year as a freshman. Then you got Jadarian Price, who looked great in the blue goal game. The freshman, though, suffered an injury. He's lost for the season, which moves Jabran Payne from number five on the possible depth chart at running back to number three heading into Ohio State. A guy that was not a part of spring practice. Joined the Irish this summer, ready to put on the helmet in just a couple of weeks when fall practice gets underway. So you could argue McCullough has what I classified in the question, the biggest challenge with his position group. But based on the voting, you, the Irish fans, are very confident that you still have Tyree and Estimate for that first game, and things will work out just fine. Maybe there's a lot of confidence in the Irish offensive line. Plus, Tyler Buckner can run the football to help the running game. So McCullough... Fourth in the voting at 7.4%. Third in the voting for which Notre Dame football assistant coach has the biggest challenge in fall camp. Cornerback coach Mike Mickens. He got 9.9% of the vote. Now you could argue the starters are set going into fall camp at corner. Clarence Lewis, the field corner, and Cam Hart on the other side the boundary corner. That's the short side of the field. Then you could argue Mickens could be the right vote because he has to develop some younger guys and get them ready to go. You're going to need more than two. You got freshman Jaden Mickey, sophomore Philip Riley, sophomore Ryan Barnes. I should mention Tariq Bracey, more than likely the nickel. So Bracey, Hart, and Lewis, likely the first three on the field. But then you have Mickey and Barnes and Riley. Jaden Bellamy is a freshman. Benjamin Morrison is a freshman. There's a lot of development that needs to take place or continue to take place in fall camp, which makes Mickens a guy that you could argue would be the definitive answer for this question. Yet, 9.9% of the vote for Mickens. So let's move to second place in the voting on which Notre Dame football assistant coach has the biggest challenge in fall camp working with their position group. Coming in second place is Fighting Irish quarterback coach Tommy Reese. Tommy got 37% of the vote. I think Tommy Reese has an argument to be the definitive answer from a couple of standpoints. Number one, it is very difficult to win without really good quarterback play. And when you get outstanding quarterback play, it can cover up weaknesses elsewhere on the football team. Tyler Buckner looks like he's ready for his opportunity. Drew Pine waiting in the wings, still battling for that job. But Tommy Reese is an individual right now that has to continue to work with Buckner to get him ready for the season, continue to develop Pine. How about Steve Angeli waiting in the wings as the number three quarterback for this football team. It's hard to win without great quarterback play, and that's why 
You can make a strong argument Tommy Reese is the correct answer for this question. But ultimately, you, the voter and the Irish fan at my Twitter account, at 960 Sportsbeat, believes that the Notre Dame football assistant coach with the biggest challenge in fall camp working with their position group is wide receiver coach Chancey Stuckey, who got 45.7% of the vote. We just talked about this in the opening segment. Needing to get more out of the veteran wide receivers, Braden Lindsey, Avery Davis, while continuing to bring along the sophomore class, which has a lot of talent, Deion Colsey, Lorenzo Styles, Jaden Thomas, and continue in the process of getting younger guys plenty of reps to keep them in position to impact the team as the season goes on. And I'm talking about the freshman, Tobias Merriweather. So Chancey Stuckey, who has done a fantastic job recruiting, he has won our vote on which Notre Dame football assistant coach has the biggest challenge in fall camp with 45.7% of the vote. And we thank you so much for voting yesterday on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. And if you don't mind, we've got another question for you to vote on. So here we go with today's question, our Sportsbeat Twitter question of the day. And it centers around golf because... The Open Championship got underway much earlier today over at St. Andrews, the home of golf. And when you think about St. Andrews or the Open Championship Rota, when the wind gets blowing, when it starts raining sideways, Lynx golf is quite the challenge. These golf courses are not difficult in calm conditions. But when it gets windy and or rainy, you can see some great golfers put up some very high numbers. So when I was watching a little bit of the golf this morning, the wind was not much of a factor. It sounds like when Tiger Woods played today, the wind had picked up a little bit. He struggled with a six over par 78, which brought me to this question. If you were to play St. Andrews, How would you want to play it? Here are your four choices. Calm conditions, which gives you a great chance to score well. Again, not the most difficult golf course if it is calm conditions. The ball is going to roll for like 150 yards sometimes. So would you like to play it in calm conditions? That is choice number one. Choice number two, a little bit more of a challenge, a little bit more of what you would expect with Lynx Golf. 15 to 20 mile per hour winds. The third choice, wind gusts of over 20 mile per hour. That gets into some tough links golf. And the fourth choice, the ultimate test of links golf, and that is a little bit of rain and a little bit of wind. You will remember that particular round for a long time. So if you had the chance to play in the home of golf, Play some Lynx golf at St. Andrews. How would you want the conditions? Calm conditions, 15 to 20 mile per hour wind, 20 plus mile per hour wind, or the ultimate test, a little rain and a little wind mixed in. We'd love to get your vote. Vote right now, tonight, tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon. You've got 24 hours to vote on my Twitter account at 960 
Sports Beat. Thanks for participating. We'll give you the results tomorrow and a brand new question on Friday's Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. 5.43 is our time. More Sports Beat coming up in a moment on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. A Midwest League champion. Adios! Walk-off home run! Eloy Jimenez! Who prefers to cheer for the birds on a bat. Adios! Goodbye! And maybe that's a winner! Here's Darren Pritchett. Six thirteen at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This is the second hour of the program. As we broadcast live on 960 AM WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on the free WSBT radio app. We are also available on the Twitch app. Just search Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Let's go over some news from Notre Dame football from earlier today as the Irish announced that one of the tight ends that will show up on the Irish depth chart is going to miss what they say is a significant part of the 2022 season. We're talking about Mitchell Evans, sophomore tight end, a fifth metatarsal injury, and again, he's going to miss a good chunk of the season. The surgery has already taken place. He suffered the injury during summer training. The Irish do expect Evans to return at some point this season. There is some really good upside in Mitchell Evans. I think there is the possibility of Evans becoming a more than reliable, if not very, very good pass catcher for this football team. Ultimately, after that guy, Michael Mayer, moves on to the National Football League after this year. This guy has some really good pass-catching skills. And had it not been for the injury, Mitchell Evans would have been competing for the number two tight end spot. We know Mayer is number one. But I think going into fall camp, you had to talk about Evans, junior Kevin Bauman, who has played in just nine games over his first couple of years. The injury bug has really Set him back. You might recall he fractured his leg in the first game against Florida State last year. You've got sophomore Kane Barong coming off an ACL injury. Looks like he'll be pretty much a go when fall camp gets ready to go. The Irish have a couple of freshmen, and they are true freshmen in Eli Reardon and Holden Stays. Now, Reardon is a guy right now that is working his way back into football shape after he suffered an ACL injury in December. So the Irish is taking little mini hits to depth on the offensive side of the football, losing a couple of running backs who are in the top four of their depth chart. And now we have the word that Mitchell Evans, a very promising tight end for this football team, will not be available early on in the year. Hopefully he's back at some point. I think Kevin Bauman can be an impact player for this football team. I think he's got a great chance to be the number two tight end. Mix of a little blocking and pass catching ability. I just recall during fall camp watching some of the drills and Kevin Bauman was a factor in the red zone. He was throwing the football. He caught it, made plays, got into the end zone, 
Maybe it was just when we were around we saw Kevin Bauman do great things, but he definitely showed up when the media had the chance to watch practice. And he's my leading candidate to be the number two wide receiver. But we'll see what Kane Braun could do coming off the ACL injury. So Mitchell Evans, Notre Dame tight end, suffers a foot injury during summer workouts. He has had surgery on the fifth metatarsal, and hopefully we will see him later on this season. 616 is our time. Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Let's spend a couple of moments on the Open Championship taking place at Historic St. Andrews, the home of golf, the road hole, the hell bunker, a lot of familiar terms that go along with St. Andrews, and this is an historic year for this championship. It is the 150th installment of the Open Championship. It is the fourth and final major of the golf season. And right now, a guy playing in his first ever Open Championship is going to sleep on the lead, and it is American Cameron Young. How about Cameron Young at 8 under par, 64 today. Young played stellar golf as he posted eight birdies and 10 pars. He had no bogeys on the card. Got off to a great start, four under par through six holes. He birdied the 18th hole to finish with an eight under par, 64. So Cameron Young right now sleeping on the lead at the Open Championship. And he's got some pretty good competition in the rear view mirror, including the guy in second place, Rory McElroy, a six under par. 66 earlier today, and Rory got off to a really good start as he was four under par through seven holes. He would post seven birdies and one bogey, just a bogey on the par four 13th. Otherwise, McElroy had his game rolling. He birdied the 18th hole to finish with the six under par 66, two shots out of the lead heading into the second round. Then you've got Robert Dinwiddle. And a guy who's been heavily involved in majors this year, Cameron Smith, both five under par, 67. And then you have a long, long list of players sitting at minus four, including Victor Hovland. You've got Lee Westwood, the world's number one, Scotty Scheffler, major championship winner, Dustin Johnson. All those players, four back. Four under par, 68. Again, when I was watching the coverage earlier today, the wind was down. The golf course was very gettable. There was talk there could be a very, very low score shot today. In fact, the number 59 was kicked around a little bit. No one got close. 64 was the best score. Did not see the action this afternoon, but it sounds like the wind picked up later on in the day, and Tiger Woods did not play well today. Tiger a six over par, 78. And you just wonder how much longer Tiger's going to continue to play. He's not the type of guy that's going to settle for mediocre golf. There are 156 golfers in the Open Championship. And after round one, Tiger Woods is in a tie for 146th position. Phil Mickelson, the live golfer, the Saudi Arabian back golf tour, he shot an even par 72 today. Tiger was very outspoken about the live golfers. Unhappy that they made the choice to go play on the live golf tour. Phil Mickelson just said he respects Tiger's opinion on the matter. 
I think Phil's trying to be very low-key right now as there's a lot of scrutiny for these guys that are taking this dirty money from the Live Golf Tour. So there you go. The first round is in the books, and the second round will start, gosh, probably what about five hours over across the pond, and we'll see the leaders start to go later on. Cameron Young is at 826 Eastern time. Rory McIlroy will tee off at 9.59 tomorrow. So who's going to win that fourth major of 2022? If one of the live golfers win it, it will be interesting to see the reaction of the media and the fans to that individual. But one of them has to win it. DJ is one of those, and Johnson at least, in contention right now. White Sox and Twins. Twins lead the AL Central right now. The White Sox just seem to be in that mode right now. They take two steps forward, then they take two steps back. They take a step forward, then a step back. They're just stuck in the mud right now. They need to go on one of those runs, kind of like the Seattle Mariners are doing right now. The Mariners were buried in the AL wildcard standings, and the Mariners right now have won Ten consecutive games. They're now 47-42. and 42. They're still 11 behind Houston for first place in the division, but the Mariners are back in the wild card chase right now in the America League. The White Sox' only path to the postseason as of right now is winning the division. And right now, two teams are ahead of the White Sox in the AL Central. Minnesota is 49-41 and 41 in first place, four and a half ahead of Cleveland, the Guardians are 43 and 44, four and a half off the pace of the Twinkies. And then the White Sox, five games back, 43 and 45, atrocious at home at 19 and 25, very acceptable on the road, 24 and 20, and they are minus 36 in run differential. You talk about the wild card route, the White Sox have their hands full right now. As you have Tampa Bay, Toronto, and Boston right now in position to take those three wild card spots. Boston is tied with Seattle right now for that final spot. So once you get by Boston and Seattle, Baltimore is the next team in line. Two games in back of Boston and Seattle for that final spot. How about the Orioles? They've won 10 in a row. They've beaten the Cubs' first two games or actually the only two games in that series at Wrigley Field. The Orioles seem like the 2014 Cubs kind of bursting onto the scene and then maybe big things ahead next season for Baltimore. The White Sox then have Cleveland ahead of them in the wild card chase, and then the White Sox are three and a half in back of the Sox and the Mariners for that final AL wild card spot. There's a lot of really good teams in front of the White Sox. That's why I think even though they're only three and a half back of the wild card, five of the division, the division gives them the best chance to make the postseason. Twins are a good team. They are not a dominant team. Cleveland has really good pitching. Their hitting just is not consistent enough. They need more players like Jose Ramirez, their all-star infielder. So I think the White Sox' best chance is through the division. And you got a four-game series against the Twins in the Twin Cities starting tonight. The last three days, Chicago played four against Cleveland, lost the first two, won the last two, so they're right back to where they were when the series started, a half a game behind Cleveland for second place in the division. Dylan Cease, Lucas Giolito came through 
very important pitching performances. I was worried after they lost the first two and knowing there were eight games coming up against the Guardians and the Twins. You can't afford to let this thing snowball. You go two and six, you might bury yourself in the division. But the White Sox recovered. Cease and Giolito did their jobs. They won the last two games of the series. So kind of status quo as right now the Sox a half a game behind Cleveland for second place. So now it's the Sox in Minnesota, four-game series at Minnesota. And you know what? Let's think positive here. If the White Sox can put it together, and they are 24-20 and on the road, if you can sweep these four games, just look how everything would change in the way you think about the White Sox in this division. You win four in a row, you're back over 500, two games over the 500 mark, and all of a sudden, you're only a game out of first place. I know it's a lot to ask because the Sox haven't played well enough, consistently enough, to pull off a four-game sweep. But it's not like the Twins have four guys in the rotation that can absolutely shut you down. These games are winnable for the White Sox. They just have to play up to their expectations. And I know we are 88 games into the season. If it hasn't happened now, can it happen? Sure. Just ask the Mariners and the Orioles. They've won 10 in a row. They have changed their seasons. They are right back in the playoff chase. Six teams make the playoffs this year. Mariners and Orioles have a chance to make the postseason. Baltimore won 52 games last year. They've won 45 already this year. They're 45 and 44. They're a game over 500, and they're in last place in the American League East. All five teams are over 500 right now. You look at the AL Central, only one team over 500, the Twins, at 49 and 41. This is a series in which the Sox need their big guns to have big series. I'm talking about Jose Abreu, Tim Anderson, it sounds like Jimenez, dealing with another leg issue. My heavens, it's getting old hearing about that with Aloy. So here's your chance to turn around your season. The Orioles have done it. The Mariners have done it. The White Sox are more talented than those two teams. Can they turn it around in Minneapolis? Here is a great opportunity. You lose three out of four. You lose two more games in the standings. You're seven games back. It's not over. But your margin for error is getting smaller and smaller, and you're going to fall farther off the pace in the wild card chase. It's going to be a fun series. How about Johnny Cueto? What a pickup by the White Sox. A 291 ERA so far this year. The veteran right-hander has been everything the White Sox could have wanted, and even more. I mean, come on. Had you been told as a White Sox fan Cueto might have a 425 ERA, I think you would have taken it. He's pitched out of his mind so far with Chicago. Sonny Gray, really good veteran right-hander, goes for Minnesota tonight. 3.03 ERA, the former A and Red and Vanderbilt right-hander. He's a tough cookie. This is going to be a tough one for the White Sox to win. In fact, we might pick that game coming up in our sports wagering segment here on WSBT Radio. So, come on, Sox. It's not... To the point where you got to win. But this is a great opportunity in front of you. Three out of four would be huge for this team. You're back within three of first place. If you want to get greedy all four, but if the Sox can take three out of four, 
then you put a lot more pressure on the Guardians and the Twins in the AL Central. 28 minutes after 6 o'clock. We'll do a little sports wagering coming up in a couple of moments. Dan Patrick, you'll hear from him next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Show me the money. We go with Sizzler. We go with Sizzler. 635 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. This is our sports wagering segment. We going to Sizzler. Near perfection last night with our four suggestions. And the one game that cost us perfection, the team we picked was up 6-0 in the seventh inning. Ugh. All right, let's recap what happened last night. My first suggestion, White Sox and Guardians from Cleveland. It was Lucas Giolito taking on Aaron Savale, two guys who have ERAs well over five going into last night's start. Maybe you thought it was going to be a high-scoring game. It was not. It was a low-scoring tight game. I took the White Sox on the money line at the Guardians at minus 115. And it was a White Sox winner last night. Chicago split the four-game set with the Guardians. Sox two, Cleveland one. Nice going, Lucas Giolito. Suggestion number two last night, the Baltimore Orioles taking on the Chicago Cubs at Wrigley Field. The Orioles going for the two-game sweep. It was Justin Steele. 3.07 ERA in his last seven starts, taking on former Tiger Spencer Watkins. Orioles entered last night having won nine in a row. I have been riding the Orioles, strangely enough, during this streak, and we continue to win. So I went with the Orioles on the money line last night, and they were a nice road underdog, some pretty good juice. We took the Orioles at plus 115, and it wasn't close. The old St. Louis Browns, now the Baltimore Orioles, took care of the Chicago Cubs at Wrigley Field 7-1, so that was a second consecutive win. Suggestion number three, Blue Jays hosting the Philadelphia Phillies. And I mentioned last night, throughout the analytics for this game, I am basing my wager on one fact. Charlie Montoya was fired as manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, and I always feel like a chance for the guys in the clubhouse to take a deep breath, relax, fresh start, hit the reset button. The manager they had is gone. New voice. Normally, if you have a stern manager, you get more of a player's manager. You go the opposite direction. Blue Jays were just 3-9 and nine in July, but I was thinking, hey, If the rumors were true, there were some clubhouse leadership issues. Maybe this will spark the team. I went with this earlier in the year when the Phillies fired Joe Girardi. I took the Phillies that night, and they won 10-0. So I base last night's wager only on the fact the Blue Jays are going to play well because they have a new manager, fresh start, and you know what? The Phillies are a good team, but not invincible. They had Wheeler on the mound, which made the challenge a little more difficult, but Blue Jays came through, and it was an easy win with their new manager, John Schneider. Blue Jays 8, 
Phillies, too. So we are 3-0 and in our picks. All we needed was St. Louis to close out the Dodgers up six with nine outs to go. All you have to do is give up five or fewer runs in the last three innings. Adam Wainwright shut down the Dodgers, threw a lot of pitches, could not go deep into the game. Cardinals up 6-0 in the seventh inning. We took the Cardinals on the money line, and, man, we got a lot of juice with it. Big underdog at home at plus 135. Plus 135, up 6-0 in the seventh inning. Makes it worse when your favorite team breaks your heart. Dodgers scored two in the seventh, three in the eighth inning, and two in the ninth, and they beat St. Louis seven to six. That's worth another one. So there went the 4 0 night. Three and one, still pretty good. So for the week, we're up to six and five. The three and one night brought us back to the 500 mark for July at 18 and 18, and now for the season. 13 games over 568, 55, and 1. So here we go with the four suggestions for tonight. We start at Wrigley Field. The Metropolitans taking on the Chicago Cubs. The Mets right now, the leaders of the National League East. A very balanced team, strong starting pitching, opportunistic hitting, Pete Alonzo, Francisco Lindor leading that offense. Keegan Thompson is in charge for the Cubs tonight, trying to slow down that Mets offense against veteran right-hander Carlos Carrasco, who has been a little hit and miss the last few starts. So, after the Cubs got swept by the Orioles, I'm going to go ahead and take the Mets tonight on the money line. Mets on the money line at the Cubs at minus 130, hoping Carlos Carrasco can win his 10th game of the year. Suggestion number two. The Astros and the Angels meeting in Anaheim. Angels got it done last night behind Shohei Otani, but he's not pitching tonight. This is a bit of a coin flip game if you look at the runs category. Astros, a heavy favorite on the money line. I'm looking for some value, so... With Framber Valdez on the mound for the Astros against Reed Detmers, who had the no-hitter for the Angels earlier this year. I like the Astros on the road to win this game on the run line. Minus one and a half, so the Astros have to win by two. And we'll take this wager at minus 110 and hope Framber Valdez does his thing tonight for Houston. Suggestion number three, Giants and Brewers. Out by the Bay in San Francisco. Good pitching matchup. Two All-Stars. Corbin Burns, reigning Cy Young Award winner for the Brewers. Carlos Rodon, the former White Sox, with a 270 ERA for San Francisco this year. Burns against Rodon. Boy, you have to think this is going to be a low-scoring game. I should have looked at the over-under. But I'm just going on the money line here, and I'm taking the home team. I think Rodon gets it done. Neutralizing a couple of left-handed hitters for Milwaukee, Colton Wong, Rowdy Telez. I'm going to take the Giants and Rodon on the money line at home to beat the Brewers at minus 110. This is a coin flip game in Las Vegas. And the fourth and final suggestion for tonight, 
Uh, let's go with a little two-team parlay. Last time I tried this, I lost both legs of the parlay. Not good. Let's start with the Blue Jays on the money line against Kansas City. Now, this is not a great number, minus 400. The Jays the heavy favorite mainly because 10 Royals are not making the trip to Toronto because they are unvaccinated for the COVID virus, which means you can't go into Canada for this series against the Blue Jays. So the Royals are shorthanded anyway. The Jays are the better team. So minus 400 is not great. There's little value. But when you couple it with another game, then it's playable. The second part of the parlay, I am going Dodgers on the money line at St. Louis. The Cardinal bullpen is taxed after the last two nights. Dakota Hudson has issues throwing strikes. This is a Dodger team that is extremely patient at the plate. I think they make him work. You get into the weaker parts of the Cardinal bullpen. And I think the Dodgers win this game outright tonight. Thought about going with the run line, decided to go conservative. I'll just take the Dodgers on the money line at St. Louis at minus 155. So when you couple the Jays on the money line and the Dodgers on the money line, the parlay is plus 105. So you just do a little bit more than double your money if that parlay hits. So the four suggestions for tonight, Mets on the money line at the Cubs at minus 130. Astros on the run line, minus one and a half runs at the Angels at minus 110. Giants on the money line at home against the Brew Crew at minus 110. And a two-team parlay. Jays on the money line with the Dodgers on the money line at plus 105. Now to our underdog pick. Last night didn't work out. Went with the Astros on the money line. Angels won 7-1. So we're back to 500 with our underdog pick at 15-15. and 15. Tonight, we're going to go with the Mariners on the money line at Texas at plus 105. The Mariners have won 10 in a row. They've got Marco Gonzalez on the mound, a very solid left-hander. The Rangers go with their left-hander, Martin Perez, who's been great this year. I'm expecting the Mariners to get to him tonight. So the underdog pick for tonight, why not go with the team who's won 10 in a row? Mariners on the money line at the Rangers at plus 105. Good luck with your wagers tonight. All the odds of BetMGM. 645. This is Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. Well, this story just popped up, courtesy of the Associated Press. Not something you see every day. The Chicago Cubs are being sued by the United States government. According to the Associated Press, the federal government is suing the Chicago Cubs and accusing the team of failing to make Wrigley Field accessible to those with disabilities when the century-old ballpark was modernized in a half-billion-dollar project that added luxury seating, bathrooms, and restaurants. The lawsuit says the team's 1060 project, quote, 
has had a significant adverse impact on individuals with disabilities and their ability to access Wrigley Field, end quote. The lawsuit is asking for compensatory damages and civil penalties and demands that the team fix the problems to comply with the Americans with Disabilities Act. According to the lawsuit, the renovations that began in 2014 and were projected to cost more than $550 million removed the best wheelchair seating in the stadium, failed to include it in new premium clubs, and stuck it in the last row of the bleachers where it is blocked by drink rails or fans standing up to cheer. The lawsuit reads, quote, Although the project significantly enhanced the game day experience for many fans, particularly those able to take advantage of premium clubs and other luxury accommodations, the same cannot be said for fans with disabilities, end quote. Now, the Cubs said in a statement that they are disappointed that the lawsuit was filed and they hope that the matter can be resolved. The team said the renovation of the ballpark, a national and city landmark, greatly increased accessibility in accordance with the law and the historic preservation standards with 50% more accessible seating options, 11 more elevators, and enhanced audio assistance for fans with hearing impairments. The Cubs said, quote, We will defend Wrigley Field in our position. It meets accessibility requirements for fans adding that it has worked with the Justice Department since it initiated a review in 2019 and offered to voluntarily enhance accessibility. So they're saying there needed to be changes. Wrigley Field is now more accessible than ever in its 108-year history. The friendly confines today is more welcoming than ever to fans with accessibility needs. Of course, Wrigley Field built back in 1914. So the Cubs being sued by the United States government. Okay. Sports Beat tonight is being brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser, the king of beers locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Baseball fans, this Bud's for you. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. By Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt Don't Shop where new beginnings have happy endings. And by Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. Recapping one of the stories that has developed today, Notre Dame tight end Mitchell Evans will miss what Notre Dame says is a significant part of the 2022 season Due to a foot injury, a fifth metatarsal injury that was suffered during spring workouts, or I should say summer training, excuse me. And the hope is Evans will return at some point this season. Last year, as a freshman, 13 games, two catches, 21 yards, had a chance to be the number two tight end when the Irish played Ohio State. He was likely going to battle the likes of junior Kevin Bauman, sophomore Kane Barong. But right now, Mitchell Evans recovering from foot surgery. Bauman, the junior, is the leading candidate to be the number two tight end. Barong coming off ACL surgery. He missed the second half of last year. And the Georgia native has been working out, apparently, in time over seven-on-seven seven drills and getting ready for the upcoming season. So 
The Irish have been hit by the injury bug, a couple of running backs down, and now one of the candidates to be the number two tight end, Mitchell Evans. You can hear the Irish all season long on Sports Radio 960 WSBT, including the matchup at Ohio State on September the 3rd. That's going to do it for Budweiser's weekday sports beat tonight. Thank you so much for joining me here on WSBT Radio. South Bend Cubs baseball coverage begins in 30 minutes on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 